You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre, it's nice to hear your voice so early in the morning. <laughs> you know what's funny is um, it actually sounds like we just woke up, Michael. You got a little bit of the extra gravelly bit of your voice, so uh, that must mean that we're speaking to someone on the other side of the ocean. Yes, that that is. I actually like the gravelly side of my voice. I, I, I think I sound better. So um, we are actually um, going to be tasting through some Italian wines. Uh, actually, we yes. did taste through some Italian wines. Now we're going to be talking to the gentleman responsible for these wines. Uh, we tasted them on a hot summer day on my in my backyard uh, a few weeks ago, and I guess I guess a couple of months ago now. By the time you're listening to this podcast, yep. So, so what are we doing this morning, Michael? So this morning, uh, again, following in the footsteps that uh, Andre's education for Italian wine has got to be broadened, um, I have brought in another special guest. Uh, this time it's uh, Valentino Valentini from Boccale, who uh, is in Umbria and makes basically uh, Sagrantino and uh, uh, Spolatino. And he's going to d- talk to us about the region. He's going to talk to us about the wines. Oh, heck. Uh, Valentino, are you there? Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Andre. Welcome in uh, Montefalco. Oh, I've w- been several times, Michael. Yes, I have. <laughs> I, I, I love the place. And you told us what the temperature is there today. Yeah, it's too very hot. We had two, three days. We are close to 40 degrees Celsius, so it's very, very hot. But it's perfect for the vines, for the good maturation of the of the grapes. So we are happy because we had a lot of rain in the spring, and now we need a lot of sun to get the maturation of the grapes. So this is the time of the sun in the middle of Italy, in the south of Italy. So oh. we, are, we are happy. Oh, interesting. So I, I pulled up a map of uh italy once again just pardon my uh pardon my ignorance valentino but so umbria is it looks like it's sort of the geographic center of the country right like it, it umbria looks- is exactly the middle of italy we are the only region in the peninsula area without the sea so we are exactly in the middle we have toscany in the terreno side and uh, marche in the adriatic side and we are exactly between florence and rome the main capital of Umbria is Perugia. Probably one of the most important towns known in all the world is Assisi, is the town of San Francis. And the most important town for the wine production is Montefalco. Well, there <laughs> and, we go. In, yeah, because in Montefalco, uh, the wine production started in the Roman times. We have many, many documents from Plinio Vecchio, that is a Roman writer, that talk about the vineyard in the hills of Montefalco and, uh, and Bevania, that is the town close to Montefalco. Then we have many, many documents from the uh, statue of the town halls from the 13th century, 14th century, but they talk about the rules to grow up the vines, to sell the wine. Then we have many, many documents uh, the, the, from Sagrantino. The first document is, a, is from the ancient library of Assisi and is a document of the 16th century. And probably we have one of the first licenses in the world to sell a, a glass of wine because in Montefalco, like many, many countries, was not allowed to sell a glass of wine. And you can buy a jug and bring to home. And we have the first license is uh, uh, the, the date of the license is 17. 
three, and the Franciscan monks or San Francisco's they get the license from the town hall to sell a glass of wine, like a modern wine bar. So we have a long, long history of the wine production. And then we have a very strange period in the last century from 1925 to the end of the 70s, where we have a black period. Because after the, for the Second War, Montefalco lose a lot of people, from 8,000 people to 5,000 uh, 5, people. We lose in 10 years 3,000 people. So many, many people went in, the, in North Europe, in North America. And we did rediscover the indigenous grape, like in many, many sides of Italy in the end of the 70s. And, uh, and we start with the, 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 the wine production for high quality with Sagrantino and Trebbiano Spoletino. Wow. That, Catch all that, Andre? That is. That's a lot of information to, to digest there. But I want to back up just a little bit to uh, the very beginning of the conversation when we talked about um, the weather. Valentino, you sound like you're actually pretty happy with the 40-degree weather. And I think we need to talk a little bit about Sagrantino and, and the indigenous grapes there. Because I know when we hit like even 35 degrees here in uh, North America and our wine-growing regions that the farmers get a little bit concerned because the plants shut down. Like they just don't enjoy the heat quite as much. Is Are you telling me that your indigenous varieties um, tolerate 40 degrees Celsius a little bit better than maybe some of the uh, other French varieties? No, for, for the indigenous grape, the temperature of 40 degrees in, the, in July and August is perfect. Our big problem is not the hot during the summer. We, we hope... The hop or, or during the summer, we the big problem is this very dry winter that we had in the last years. It's normal that in the middle and south of Italy we have a dry summer, but we we had in the last years dry winter. We haven't snow, we haven't rain, so this is the big problem of the last year. So for us, is this year was dif- totally different than the other the last years. We had a lot of rain. In the first part of the year, we had the same rain in the first six months of the 2023 than all 2022. So we had a lot of rain in the winter, a lot of rain in the starting of the summer and the spring. And now we need to have the, the sun. So we are perfect because all the parasites of the, of the vines grow up, like, you know, with the, with the humidity. So in this time of the year, we need dry temperature. And in this part of Italy, we have very dry summer usually. Now, I don't want a prediction of the uh, of the vintage uh, Valentino, and the reason is we have a bad track record on this podcast. We had a, a, a winemaker from Ontario who, at the end of August, told us it's going to be a perfect season, and the season got rained out. So. Don't make any prediction about the season. I'm oh, and warning. it's been even worse. Like we had another winemaker. Uh, I guess not necessarily on the on the podcast. It's just fun watching the jinx. I, I seem to remember in 2019, uh, Brian Schmidt from his tractor uh, lightly making fun of all the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay growers because he grows par- primarily Cabernet Franc. And then uh, he basically invited Mother Nature to rain for the entire harvest. So... Yes, so there, so we have, and actually, it turns out both times we were Brian Schmidt. So, uh, <laughs> that's, so Brian Schmidt's not allowed to predict anything. Yes. So, yeah, Valentino, we don't, like, but, we don't okay. like then the rain during the the harvest time because then we will have a big problem with the mold. But 
we usually we the, the rains stop in May, June, and then restart in the end of October. Okay. In this part of Italy. And our harvest starts in the first days of September and finish in the second half of October. So we have a long time, different timing of maturation. We have, in my vineyard, we have, in my farm, we have four kinds of red grapes and one of white grape. The white indigenous grape is Trebbiano Spoletino. And then we have a little bit Merlot, a little bit Colorino. And then we have the maximum, the, the, the mostly percentage of the reds is Sagrantino and Sangiovese. And we have different maturation because we pick up usually Merlot and Colorino the first 10 days of September, Sangiovese in the end of September, and Sagrantino and Trebbiano Spoletino in the end of October. Very strange for a white grape that the harvest is so late in the end of October. Usually the harvest of the white grape in Italy is in the end of August and start of September. We get very late flowering in the spring of Trebbiano Spoletino and very late maturation in, uh, in October. It is not a late harvest in the end of October. To understand what happened when we pick up the grape of Trebbiano Spoletino in the end of October and we pick up around eight, nine bunches per plant, we have two, three bunches still green. Oh, wow. So, and we get the, the, the acidity from the green bunches and the flowers from the perfect maturation bunch. So it's a perfect pair combination in the same vines, two, three bunches still green and the other perfect gold. Yeah. And Trebbiano Spoletino, I will talk about Trebbiano Spoletino. Sagrantino and Sangiovese are the grape of the hills of Montefalco. And Trebbiano Spoletino is the grape of the valley. We have many Trebbiano in Italy, you know. We have in, in Tuscany, we have in, in Abruzzo, we have in north of Italy, in, La, in Garda Lake. Trebbiano Spoletino, in our case, takes the name from the Latin name of Trevi, that was Trebium, that is the town in front of Montefalco. So Trebbiano Spoletino is the grape that grow up from Trebium and Spoleto. Trebium, the Latin name of Trevi, and Spoleto because it was the most important town in during the Pope domination in this area. You know that in the middle of Italy, we, we had 600 years of, of Pope of domination after the fall down of the Roman Imperium and before starting the Italy, we had Pope domination. So we made for many, many years, for, for 100, 100 years, the wine for Rome, before for the Romans, and then for the popes in Montefalco. And Sagrantino is the grape of the hill. is a very old indigenous grape. I told you that the oldest document is in the, in the ancient library of Assisi. It's a document of the 16th century. And you find Sagrantino only in Montefalco and four small towns around Montefalco. Bevagna, Gualdo Cattaneo, Giano dell'Umbria, and Casteritalti. All the population that lives in these four, five towns is 25,000 people. So very, very small, small area. And Sagrantino is a particularly grape that has the half of production of a normal red grapes. Usually we have eight, nine tons per hectare for Sangiovese or the other red, uh, red grapes. We have less than five tons per hectare for Sagrantino. And probably this is the reason because many, many farmers, like my grandfather, they change after the Second War, Sagrantino, with other kind of grapes, with Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, with Sangiovese, with Barbera, because the, this area was so poor 
and have a production with the half of the normal production was a big problem for the for the economy for the business of the company and uh, because many many people thought and talk still talk, talk about the the, the sagrantino uh, that was made only in the sweet version uh, this is not right because we found the document from the 1925 was a catalog of a wine fair that was in Montefalco in 1925. And we find in this catalog Bo Sagrantino. Sagrantino Abocato, that means with a little bit sweet inside, and Asciutto, that means dry. So we had in the start of the last century both version of Sagantino. Then probably after the Second World, for the reason that I told you, many, many farmers, they change with other kind of grapes and they keep some plants to make only the Sagrantino Passito for, for Easter, for Christmas Eve, to make gifts, so small production. Now we make both versions. With the same grape, we can make the dry wine and the sweet wine. Andre, I hope you got all that because there is a test at the end of this. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to this to make sure that I retain the knowledge from from this time of day. So um, let's talk since uh, since we we tried some of the wines. Uh, let's talk about uh, Trebbiano's Polatino. I think that's a which, great place um, to start. Which um, when I first was on my way to Umbria, uh, I started out in 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 Tuscany, and uh, John Zabo had said to me, "You're really going to like Trebbiano Spolatino," and I thought he was kidding because uh, Trebbiano is probably one of the most boring grape varieties in Italy. Trebbiano, and it seems that every region has a Trebbiano, but Spolatino is a very special grape variety. It's got great flavor it's it's uh the the one that we tried we tried your uh, 2022 um uh valentino and uh, I, I absolutely adore this wine i think it's a great acidity it's got lovely nectarine peach pineapple uh it was totally a hot weather wine and it was hot in uh, in andre's backyard uh, andre did you want to say a little bit about it before we we get Valentino to uh, tell us a little bit more about why this grape is so special. Yeah, you know, it's one of the problems about what you're doing with my Italian wine education is you've buried the lead a little bit by talking about how neutral this grape is because the bottle that we opened up in the backyard was not neutral. And Valentino, we're not just saying this because you were kind enough to join the podcast, but it was a perfect wine for a hot day. It was an explosion of intense uh, tropical flavors like very very ripe nectarine pineapple mango um, really great balance with acid but like it was just the in- intensity that you know I think Michael we, we may have talked about whether or not it was going to go with the fish that I was smoking but I think you and I just we drained the bottle on its own oh that was uh, we I don't think it had a it chance did, to did, make the fish it did not need food to go with it just because of how much was going on in the glass so um, I'm guessing 2022 was that a typical vintage for you, Valentino, or a, a hotter vintage? Yeah, it was uh, 2022-2021 was a normal vintage. We uh, the the hottest vintage in the last three years was uh, 2020. So 2022 was a, a good balance uh, vintage for the for the all the grape for white grape and the red grapes. And I would like to say you something about the process that we work the Trebbiano Spoletino. I told you that we have the harvest very late 
very strange for a white grape. Then the Weinstein contact one night in cold maceration with the skin and six, seven degrees Celsius. Then we press the day after of the harvest. And then the wine stay in fermentation for around 30, 35 days. Very low temperature, slow temperature and low fermentation. This is the second of the flowers of this wine. And then the wine stay on the fine leaves until the bottling that usually is in the half of, of March. And we introduce the new vintage usually in the first week of uh, April in Vinitaly to our customers, uh, to the to the all the uh, journalists that come in Vinitaly in Verona during the first week of, of April. So, I I guess, uh, Valentino, what um, in your opinion, why yes. is Spolatino um, such a different grape, so unique? Uh, to Umbria than other Trebbianos within Italy because I have tried other Trebbianos within Italy and they are usually very boring, very, very muted. It seems that every grape that they found that was, you know, they didn't know what it was, they'd call, you know, Trebbiano. Um, and as I said, John Zabo said to me, he says, this is a really special grape. And as I, I thought he was kidding because it was a Trebbiano, but Spolatino is, you know, it's it's a lively grape. Having just come from uh, Umbria back in, I think it was May, uh, no June, May, June, whatever, whatever month it was, uh, I tasted through a whole bunch of of Spolatino, and I just I continue to love that grape more and more, and more of your fellow producers are making it, and it is just uh, it's just a lovely summery grape. So why is this yeah. grape so? Uh, I don't know, so such a wonderful fit, and and, and why do you call it Trebbiano? <laughs> uh, the reason is that the, with the, the the only combination with the other Trebbiano is the name. It's a totally different kind of grape. It's not a different clone of Trebbiano. Uh, we the, this kind of grape keep the name from the Latin name of Trevi that is was Trebbi. This is the only region because the, this kind of grape was called Trebbiano. Uh, but it's not nothing with the, in combination with the other kind of Trebbiano. The other Trebbiano, the harvest is in the start of September, and we have the harvest in the last days of October. And the other things that we made, like you know, a fresh and young version of Trebbiano, but we have a very big versatility with this kind of grape. We, we can make aging in amphora. There are many wines that try the aging in wood. Then there is some wines that try a, a very good uh, example of a sparkling wine with Trebbiano Spolitino. So we can make many, many kinds of different wine with the same grape. So we are very lucky to find this kind of grape. To find again, because which is the big problem in the past of this kind of grape? I told you that was the grape of the valley. In the valley, the system that the farmers used to grow up the Trebbianos Politino was not the, the vineyard like today. Now today we, we produce around eight, nine, maximum 10 bunches per plants. In the past, the system, Michael, you, you, you saw, I'm, I'm sure that you saw this system, was called, the system was called merit system. So it was another kind of plants, usually an elms, and the vines of Trebbianos Politino grow up on this kind of plants. This kind of vines made 100 bunches. So what's happening the end of October in the start of November? We, I told you that with eight, nine bunches, we have 
two, three bunches still green in the end of October. With 100 bunches, it was impossible to get the maturation in the past. So many, many wineries, they say that in the past, that the, the Trebbiano's Politino was not a, a great grain. Now we made very small production and we made a big wine. In the past, all the wineries, you know, in Montefalco and in the middle of Umbria, they, they, the white grape that usually was used in the wineries was Crechetto. Now we have a new grape that is, is an old grape, or we find a new version to, to grow up Trebbiano's Politino, and we can make a big wines. Well, there we go. I mean, Michael, I know you asked me if I was paying attention earlier. It's kind of hard to ask follow-up questions when all the information is presented uh, quite succinctly like that. Um, I, yeah, it was just a delicious wine. And I guess, you know, we're in the middle of the podcast here. In Canada, you're repped by Apparition Wines. Yeah. And the... Uh, Caterine Mellin is my agent, Appalachian Wine. And the uh, Trebbiano that we had sells for $32 in the market. See, Michael, we learned something from last time. We actually got a price list. And yeah, we got sure a price list. We knew list. what was actually, available ahead of time. And it's actually going to be available at the end of July, the 2022. So that's that's good to know. It's, it's going to be in the market for summer. So that's that's perfect. We're going to move on to the, um, the we tried a, a Rosso as well, the 2020 Rosso, um, which uh, I guess we can give the note first. I really, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, of Bocales Rosso, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm also a big fan of Montefalco Rosso these days. Uh, I find that it's it's having, for me, it's having a moment uh, because it's it's got that lovely backing of of Sagrantino, usually about fifteen percent, but it's also um, it's it's well for for Bocale, it's it's Sangiovese and and Merlot. For other producers in the area, they're trying to bring back some more indigenous grape varieties uh, for their Rosso. Um, but I find this a very, very drinkable wine. And Andre, if I'm not mistaken, when we were tasting this wine, you were also quite thrilled by it. And then we learned that it had 14.5%. And we, <laughs> we both had to back off from having a third glass. Well, I was even proud of myself uh, because I was able to guess... Um, uh, Sangiovese in it, like it, it's very, it's very distinct how it's put together, which is great if you're someone like me trying to learn about Italian wine and get some, uh, get your footing on the characteristics of um, Sangiovese. Uh, but yeah, no, this was supremely, supremely drinkable, well balanced, and the um, the alcohol was pretty well hidden, and that's definitely a highlight, uh, or sorry, a hallmark of good winemaking. Valentino, tell us about yes. your Rosso. Allora, Montefalco Rosso is the only wine that we produce that is a blend. All the other wine is 100% of the same grape. Trebbiano's Politino, 100% Trebbiano's Politino, and Sagrantino, 100% Sagrantino grape. Montefalco Rosso is a blend, is 70% Sangiovese, 15 Sagrantino, 10 Merlot, and 5 Colorino. The rule of Montefalco Rosso, we can use from 60 to 70% of uh, Sangiovese, and we use the maximum, 70. We can use 15, 
10, 15, sorry, from 10 to 15 Sagrantino and we use the maximum. Then the other part is free. So many wineries use Montepulciano, San Barbera, San, and we use a little bit Merlot and, uh, and Colorino. We have three different timing of harvest with this wine. We pick up together Merlot and Colorino the first week of September, Sangiovese in the end of September, and Sagrantino in the end of October. We have three different fermentation, three different contact with the skin, and we made the blending two, three months before the bottling, usually in the spring, later, after one year of aging in barrel. The wine stay minimum one year in barrel, 1,000 liter barrel the size of the wood, and minimum six months in, bot- in bottom before release. The, content, the current vintage in this moment is 2020. And to understand, we made the blending two, three months before, two, two months before, two months ago, for the Montefalco Rosso 2021 that we are preparing for the bottling of August. We have the bottling of the red wine usually before the harvest and we put in bottle all the vintage. Montefalco Rosso, like you told, is a very drinkable wine, easy to drink and easy to pairing from the calcats, from the appetizer to pasta to uh, meat. It's very, very easy to, to pairing with everything. Interesting. Well, and I guess the, the question I have in there, like I said, going back a little bit, we've talked about the weather and the growing conditions. Uh, and, you know, it's fascinating to hear, like with your viticulture, that you have perfect grapes um, suited for your, your climate. And it sounds like there's like a, it, it's the winemaking really has adjusted to what Mother Nature gives you. But with having Merlot planted, how does Merlot tolerate the uh, the heat? And the summers are getting hotter. So, I mean, are, are does Merlot stand up to the 40 degrees or are are there conversations about how you're going to prepare for climate change and, and maybe changing that variety out of the blend of your Rosso? But we we use Merlot for the, for, we planted the, the vineyard and we don't talk about the history of the farm. We replanted all the vineyard in the end of the 90s, in 99, 2000, 2001. And we choose to plant less than half hectare of Merlot and Colorino uh, to blend it with Sangiovese and, and Sagrantino to have more velvet wines, more round. Uh, and probably is, is the grape that we lose more production when we have a lot of uh, temperature, like, like 2020. In 2020, I told you before, is one of the hottest harvests. And for Montefalco Rosso, we produce around uh, 18, 19,000 bottles every year. For this vintage, we have 9,000 bottle production. So we lose the half of production. But the year that we have very hot, we need to make a big selection of the grape to try to make big wines. Our target is not make big production. My, our target is make good wines. And in the years that we have big problem with the temperature and the, with the climate change, we try to make good wines, and so we produce less production. And 2020 was exactly the half of the production. So my, my other question about uh, Rosso would be, yeah. I have noticed on the back label that you no longer put the word, and it's not just you, I believe it's a, a, across the region, you no longer put the name Sagrantino on the bottle. It just says indigenous grapes. Yeah, because um, it's, because we have a rule 
in a European rule that protection Sagrantino only for denomination denominazione d'origine controllata Sagrantino. Uh, Sagrantino is a gray, is not a process. So everybody can plant Sagrantino everywhere in the world. If the climate condition and the soil can can do the, the can grow up the good vines. And so the European Union, before the Italian government and then the European Union, make the protection of Sagrantino only for the nomination Sagrantino Montefalco. So also the, produ the producer of Montefalco can't use Sagrantino in the back label of Montefalco Rosso. But we know that in the plant is there is Sagrantino. And that, and that, I think, brings us to talking about uh, Sagrantino. Yeah, and I just um, love all the like the the weird and wonderful wonderful rules that the regulatory bodies put in in place, right? Uh, and I, I guess Valentino, maybe maybe for you, like I know that Montefalco is not as well known internationally as you know Tuscany. In, in terms of wines or some of the other regions in Italy, is it a challenge for you on the marketing side to make sure that your customers know what to expect when they open a bottle of Rosso and that it has um, the Sagrantino grape in it, since you can't mention that on the bottle? But everybody knows that Sagrantino is inside of Montefalco Rosso. We make a unique Montefalco Rosso well, because there is a blend of Sagrantino. You know that you find Sangiovese everywhere in the middle of Italy, from Emilia-Romagna to Toscany to Marche, north of Lazio, Umbria, everywhere. And Montefalco Rosso is unique for the blend with Sagrantino. We need to protect Sagrantino, and uh, we are the first that we need to respect the rule that we give to make to, to have more protection to the name Sagrantino. Interesting. All right. This is the reason. This is the reason. No, I mean the key thing that you just said there is everybody knows that Montefalco Rosso has Sagrantino in it, and uh, yeah, I guess now now is the good time to move to <laughs> the, uh, the the Sagrantino, uh, the the Montefalco Sagrantino of which we tasted two, Michael. The twenty the twenty eighteen and the twenty seventeen. Is it Emio? So it's hard to tell because it's a handwritten label yes, on the bottle. Emio. Inio, so that's an N, not an M. Okay. Whose handwriting is that? That is mine. No, whose handwriting is that on the bottle? Valentino. Oh. Valentino. Ennio is my father. Okay, so that's his signature. Allora, yeah. uh, we have the name of the winery is in honor to the, to the first generation, to the founder, to my grandfather. Bocale means in the local dialect, the two-liter jug that, used, that, that people use in the past to buy wine and olive oil. And people that went in the farm of my grandfather to buy wine and olive oil, they started to call my grandfather Bocale. So Bocale is the nickname of my family. And when we made the first selection of our winery, we, we made the selection in honor to the, first, to the second generation, my father, that every day made the pushing down by hand. So we made two kinds of Sagrantino, uh, one selection, limited edition that is called Enio. We made around 1,000 bottles. And then we made another version that fermentation is in steel with temperature control. And we made around eight, 9,000 bottles. We have the white 
label for the Sagrantino regular and the black label for Enio Sagrantino. But we have the same grape and we make two different kinds of wine with the same grape with a different process during the fermentation. Because we tried, you know that Sagrantino is one of the most tannic wine uh, in the world. So we try to make a more velvet Sagrantino, velvet tannins in the Sagrantino. We change it a lot also in the regular Sagrantino, the white label. We change the timing of the harvest. Now in, we wait the perfect phenolic maturation in the end of October. We understand that to have more drinkable tannins, we need to wait the end of October, so to get the perfect maturation of the bunches. And then we change a lot the contact with the skin. In the past, we had a very short contact with the skin, 15, 20 days, but very hard extraction, four, five, pumping over every day. Now the contact with the skin is more is longer. We arrived 40, 45 days, but we have only one pumping over per day when there is fermentation inside. And then we close the cap and the wine stay in contact with the skin without move for other 20, 25 days. So we understand that Sagrantino with the softer contact with the skin can have a more velvet tannins. And then we try with our uh, consultant analogies, what happens if we make a contact with the skin softer, not with the pumping over, like in steel fermentation, but by hand. And we tried with experimentation with the tonneau opening the top side. And my father made the, the pushing day every day. For this season, the wine, the black label, the selection of Sagantino is called Enio because it's, it's made by hand from my father. And uh, we have more velvet tannins of the Sagrantino. So the same grape with a different process and different contact with the skin, we can have more drinkable tannins in the Sagrantino. You also uh, pulled back on your use of uh, barrique, uh, if I'm not mistaken. You and I had a long discussion, I think the very first time uh, I visited the winery, and you were telling me what you were doing uh, with your uh, with your oak treatments uh, within the wood, pulling back, I think, 20 or 25% every year. Yeah, we changed a lot our opinion about the wood in the last 20 years. If you went in my winery 25 years ago, you find only barrique. Now you find the 90% of our woods in the, in the winery, big sides of the wood. We have uh, 13 barrels of 1,000 liter, and we have... Uh, one barrel of 5,000 liters, very, very big size, and then we have six barriques. So the six, the 95% of our wines, the aging in the, is in the big wood. We prefer to have the original characteristic of the wood. So we need more time, of course, for microoxygenation of the wine, but the time is not our problem. For the rule, Montefalco Rosso must stay in the winery for 18 months, Sagrantino for 36. And so we can, the wine can stay a lot of time in barrel without problems. We prefer to have more original characteristics. Bigger, like you know, the, is the size of the wood. More original are the characteristics of the grape. So in the last year, we bought every year do two big size barrel, 1,000 liter barrel. And two years ago, we tried with the big size, 5,000 barrel. And we will have the first vintage of Sagrantino because we tried this barrel for the first two vintage with Montefalco Rosso. 
2019 and 2020. So the vintage that you will test on Montefalco also. The aging is the big size of the wood, 5,000 liters. And we are this year we have the aging of 2021 in the big size of the wood. So we are changing a lot the opinion uh, the opinion about the wood in the last years. Yeah. You know, I don't have a ton of experience with um, the Montefalco wines, but one thing I really enjoyed about yours, Valentino, was um, definitely more approachable than the previous experience that I had. Um, I, I know that from what I know about Sagrantino, uh, how tannic it is is a hallmark of the grape, but, you know, I, I really must... Uh, salute you because tasting Inyo and the 2018 Montefalco Sagrantino, I wouldn't have gone in to the glass saying, oh, this is super tannic. Like the wine definitely had a strong tannic structure, but what really jumped out of the glass was incredibly dense fruit. Um, just like it, it was a symphony of symphony of, of, of flavors going right through, you know, the, the darker profile of what you get from red wines. Uh, I'm looking at the notes that, that Michael that you'd written down: cassis, black cherry, black licorice. I remember cocoa notes as well. Uh, like there was definitely a powdery feel to the tannin, as opposed to something more uh, pointed and and ag- aggressive. And um, you know, these are definitely wines that, and, and your wines in particular, are wines that could spend a little bit more time in a cellar. But the, they were drinking great the day that we opened them. The the thing I most remember, uh, Valentino, about uh, Andre because I poured the wine for him. And he stuck his nose in the glass, and he was like, "Oh, that's that's really nice." And then he took a sip, and uh, I think Andre, your first note was, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, it was something like that." <laughs> I'm happy. I'm so happy because this is the work that we are making the last year. We tried every year to change something to understand what's happening if you have more maturation of the grape, less contact with the skin, and probably we we find the, the right way in this moment. We, we we pick up the grape around the 22, 25 of October, perfect phenolic maturation. In the past, when the wine was too tannic, probably we wait only the sugar maturation in the start of October. So it's better to have a little bit more sugar inside and then alcohol after fermentation and have more maturation of the, of the, of the tannins. This is the good way, I think, to have more drinkable Sagrantina. You know, I also just love the fact that it seems to be a worldwide worldwide trend, and I'm sure if there's anyone who thinks it's a bad thing, they're probably going to blame millennials for it. But you know, right from Burgundy to Abruzzo to Umbria, now it seems to be that there's a focus of wines that may have one, at one point in its history been vinified to exist in someone's cellar is that people are trying really hard to make sure that the wines are showing really well when they're young. And I mean, it's not that I don't have patience, like Michael, as, as you know, I have a, a, a growing collection in, in my basement as well, but it is nice to know that when I pick up a bottle of wine, I don't have to wait 10, 15, 20 years for it to be drinking in a good spot. Um, but I, I'd just be curious, like like you said, it, 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 they have to be vinified for about four and a half years at the winery before you can even release them. Uh, what's your goal, Valentino, when you're making these wines uh, more accessible? Like, uh, when do you think is is the moment that the wines start to show their best after you release them? Well, 
Alors, when we release the wine, the wine is ready to drink. And we are selling now 2018, but in the next four, five years, the quality of the wine grow up. But you can drink Sagrantino in 10, 15 years without problem. The difference between the past, that probably the best in the past you had after six, seven, eight years. Now you have a little bit more faster for the different process that you have for the contact with the skin. And then I would like to give you and to the people that is uh, uh, in contact with, with you that Sagrantino is the most concentration uh, antioxidant wine in the world. If you see the vineyard in November of Sagrantino, Michael, sure, I have seen some picture, of course, of the vineyard in November because you, you come here every time in the, in the spring, in May, in April. But if you come back in, uh, in the end of October, in start of November, you can see very strange thing. All the leaves of the vineyard, of the, of the vines, change usually in yellow. Sagrantino change in red because it's the red wine with more concentration of antioxidant. And you find the antioxidant on the, on the skin and, of course, in the glass. But you can see also on the leaves. And for this reason, all the leaves, all the vineyard turn in red before fall down in the start of November. It's a beautiful view, the hills of Montefalco and Bevagna with yellow of Sangiovese and red of Sagrantino. It's a beautiful view. Well, that's an invite if I've ever heard one, uh, Andre. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I wait for you in Montefalco. Perfect. So just to let you know, also the, the wines um, are are here. Uh, the uh, 17 Sagrantino is uh, through Apparition. It's $56. Uh, Ennio is um, uh, $79. And the Rosso is uh, is 32 Yes, and and while we did enjoy all the wines very much, I think the uh, the just the, the Montefalco Sagrantino was the winner on the table uh, in my books out of the three reds that we tasted. I do like the Sagrantino. I also I, I've already said before I love the Rosso, and I and I also want to just give a little uh, a, a little tap a, a cap tap or whatever it is. A, what, what, just just early spit in the it morning, out. Andre. Just spit it out. What is it you're trying Got to it. say? So I remember um, uh, trying uh, also your grappa, and I don't want to get too deep into the world of grappa because I, I usually dislike grappa. But uh, Valentino, this was the first grappa I could actually drink. So your grappa is is lovely, and it's probably the first grappa I've ever had made from Sagrantino. So maybe that's that's the reason. I remember your last visit. No, no, your last visit last year that you tested my grappa for the first time. We made grappa only with the skin of Sagrantino. After the pressing of Sagrantino, we sent to the distillery the skin of Sagrantino. We we choose a, a very small partner for make the the, the grappa is in um, in Marche in Apecchio is close to Urbino, a beautiful Renaissance town, and we made. Uh, this, this, the grap of Sagrantino with our skin there. We, are, we use a small uh, distillery because we are sure that we sell our grappa. And we made a very soft and drinkable grappa and you can test the, the smell, the aroma of the, of the, of the fresh grape when you, when you test the, the smell of the, of the grappa. It's a beautiful grappa, perfect pairing with chocolate and all cake made with chocolate. 
As, as I said, I've never liked grappa before. And I, Andre, if I'm not mistaken, I even let you try it. And you said, that's not bad. And neither one of us are grappa people. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's not bad it is uh, definitely an improvement from what I usually say when I taste grappa, which is just like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you so much for giving us the time today, Valentino. Thank you. Thank you to you, Andre and Michael. Thank you so much. I'm very happy. You know, Michael, I think I actually am uh, learning something here with this Italian adventure that you're taking me on. Well, I, I was hoping that, uh, that Valentino would be able to give you a nice foundation, especially in history. Well, history, I mean, it's, it's also like I really find it fascinating when you hear how the viticulture it works in other places. And, you know, just the concept of, I guess, field blending, like when he talks about the Trebbiano Spalatino um, how they know that some of the bunches on the vines just aren't going to ripen and that helps maintain the acidity and that definitely definitely made that wine that we enjoyed like that was that was easily one of the best white wines that we've had all summer and I, I think I'm going to look at picking some picking some up uh, just the intensity of the fruit on it I mean these wines are all just fantastic and we were not yeah, being paid I, to say that. Like we woke up early because we wanted to talk to Valentino because the wines were good, not because someone's paying us to say this. I, I really like uh, Spolatino. I think it's it's a great white wine. Uh, what I what I didn't mention to to Valentino is that I, uh, uh, although he says that there are producers that you know put them in wood, have too much you know, or have you know lees aging and all that kind of thing. I find that when I taste through these wines. Uh, I really like the the fresh versions, the ones that they put in oak. Just they they just lose some of that, you know, intensity. They lose some of that really interesting quality um, that that oak kind of just sucks right out of it. And, well, and I mean, it's just like like I said, like it's a great worldwide movement that we're seeing that people are pulling back on on oak, and I think we're seeing the deparkerization of wines. And you know, I for one. I'm happy to be signed up for that because I think, you know, we're getting wines that are more drinkable but still have cellaring potential. Uh, and just like, you know, we're getting to see subtleties coming out in in grapes. We're, start, we're starting to see fruit, which is which is lovely. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's obviously it's it's wine. It's made from fruit. It should taste like, you know, fruit, not like Chateau Two by Four. Exactly. Uh, you can support this podcast patreon.com slash two guys talking wine i'm andre prue from andrewinereview.ca and i'm michael pinkus of michael pinkus uh thank you very much to uh to valentino andre thank you for waking up two hours earlier than you usually do and um from us here at two guys talking wine good night thanks for listening please subscribe to two guys talking wine on itunes two guys talking wine is produced by jim ray adam duran and ken little 